0: CHAPTER THREE OF THE LIFE OF REV. HENRY MARTIN BY JOHN HALL. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. Mr. Martin was ordained to the Ministry on the 22nd of October, 1803. He complained to a friend that, "'This occasion, so solemn in itself, through want of retirement, was not so to me.' He passed the time which, by the rules of the English Episcopal Church, is required before ministers can be admitted to the full exercise of the sacred office, as assistant to his friend, the Reverend Mr. Simeon, in his church at Cambridge, and as pastor in a small village at a short distance from the town. In this capacity he labored constantly in preaching and in making religious visits to the houses of the poor and to hospitals. After speaking of his preparations for the pulpit, he says, Another part of my state ministrations is to visit one part of Mr. Simeon's people every week. Unless the mind be in a spiritual and heavenly frame, it is difficult to go through this service with any degree of satisfaction. However, though I have often gone to them cramped with sinful fear, I have been enabled to go through with ease and comfort, thanks be to God, I have been generally in great depression of spirits ever since my ordination, for having at that time not a single sermon, my hands and head have been constantly employed in that business, while my heart has not had its due share of exercise. I am now recovering from my cowardly despondency on that head, but lately I have been in heaviness again through the prevalence of self-will and the prospect of incessant self-denial. God help me to endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, to fight the good fight of faith, and to be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. My chief comfort is to meditate on the world to come, though it is a happiness which I can seldom steadily enjoy, the train of one's thoughts is so influenced and directed by the empty concerns of human life." another evil with me is great childish levity and want of serious conviction of the awful work of the ministry in the pulpit i have hitherto been thinking only of the sermon before me unconscious of the presence of god or the people deliver me from blood-guiltiness o god during this interval the estate which his sister and himself inherited from their father was lost and instead of being able to go out as a missionary at his own expense, as appears to have been his original design, he now sought an appointment as a chaplain of the East India Company to be employed at some of their stations, which he thought would give him great advantages in preaching to the heathen. We copy here another of his letters. I am glad to hear that the gospel spreads among you for the sake of my poor fellow-sinners oh that i had the glory of christ more at heart most of us have far too little earnestness and i for one wall's lane is in my parish here its well-known character will give you to understand that i have abundant room for the exercise of zeal i have as yet visited only the two almshouses and the poor-house in which i meet the people once a week and two or three other houses to cleanse these stables of I may well be taught a useful lesson from the fabled hero, not to attempt the work in my own strength, but to turn the river of grace into it. In my country parish religion is at a low ebb. The school, however, is re-established, and the benefit of it will, I trust, be of eternal consequence. With respect to my own heart, my dear friend, what shall I say? I have been visited, of late, with some very severe trials of which the loss of the fortunes of myself and two sisters is the least. As often as the pride and arrogance of my heart are brought down into the dust, and I am able to walk softly before the Lord, I am peaceful and happy enough. My present desire is to walk alone with God. I have lived too much in public, going to God in prayer as if I were coming out of a crowd and about to be tossed into it again. BUT TO WALK WITH GOD IS SURELY TO BE WITH HIM ALWAYS, TO PREACH AS ONE DELIVERING THE MESSAGE IN HIS PRESENCE, TO PLEAD WITH SOULS AS IN THE STEAD OF THE INVISIBLE GOD NEAR US. AH, MY BROTHER, WE DIE ALONE. IF WE HAD NOT LIVED IN SOLITARY COMMUNION WITH GOD, WE SHALL START AT FINDING OURSELVES IN THE SOLEMN SILENCE OF DEATH, ABOUT TO LAUNCH FORWARD WHERE NO FRIENDS, NO ORDINANCES CAN ACCOMPANY US. We cannot help observing how the impressive thought contained in the last sentences was strikingly and literally exemplified in the circumstances of his own decease. He shortly wrote again, "'I am about to alter my plan of preaching to my country congregation. They have been hearing from me the gospel, for which they are by no means prepared, for I have discovered, to my surprise and grief, that they do not know the difference between sin and duty.' it is now my design to explain to them the commandments sermon on the mount etc through the tender mercy of god i begin to feel a little more zeal and earnestness than formerly oh my brother how great the honour that in our office at least we are like to christ that in this respect as he was so are we in this world may love carry forward our feet in swift obedience and may we continue in our work, with all firmness and patience and tenderness for the souls of men. Martin spent much of his time in devotion and in reading the scriptures. He committed large portions to memory that he might always have a subject for meditation, and whenever he became so interested in any other book as to have reason to fear that it was more pleasing to him than the Bible, he would at once lay it aside, until, by returning to the sacred volume, his mind was restored to feel the value and interest of its truths above all others. He was in the habit of setting apart whole days for secret religious services, examining his heart, searching the scriptures, and imploring the mercy and direction of God. And that he might do this with the least interruption He was accustomed to abstain from his usual food at such seasons, as devout men, from very ancient times, have observed fasts. He thus speaks in his diary of the reasons and effects of these occasions. I felt the need of setting apart a day for the restoration of my soul by solemn prayer. My views of eternity are becoming dim and transient. I could live forever in prayer if I could always speak to God. I sought to pause, and to consider what I wanted, and to look up with fear and faith, and I found the benefit, for my soul was soon composed to that devout sobriety which I knew by its sweetness to be its proper frame. I was engaged in prayer in the manner I like, deep seriousness, and at the end of it I felt great fear of forgetting the presence of God, and of leaving Him as soon as I should leave the posture of devotion— I was led through the mists of unbelief, and spake to God as one that was true, and rejoiced exceedingly that he was holy and faithful. I endeavored to consider myself as being alone on the earth with him, and that greatly promoted my approach to his presence. My prayer for a meek and holy sobriety was granted. Oh, how sweet the dawn of heaven! As there was every prospect of succeeding in the application he had made for an Indian chaplaincy, he began to prepare for his departure by taking leave of his friends in Cornwall. This was, of course, a severe trial. He was to bid farewell to country and friends, to sisters, and a lady to whom he was still more tenderly attached, with the prospect of never again seeing them in this world. To a person of his amiable and domestic disposition, such a separation was full of distress. Besides, he was going to reside in another and far distant continent, in a climate so hot that it always weakens, and is often fatal to the constitutions of natives of cooler countries. The people with whom he expected to live were uneducated, poor, vicious, and idolatrous. Having never been instructed in Christianity, his task would be to overcome, if possible, the prejudices in favor of their own superstitions which they and their ancestors had cherished for centuries and to persuade them to adopt a religion which would oblige them to give up their dearest sinful enjoyments ignorant of each other's language he would be obliged to study theirs although one little known to europeans and extremely difficult to be acquired these discouragements are mentioned not to exalt the praises of martin for had he been a perfect man they would have appeared too insignificant to affect him at all, but to show that God gives strength to those who serve him and depend upon him, proportionate to their trials and necessities, that his grace can enable a man to do actions of benevolence which no other influence could, and that the sacrifices which Martin made are a proof of the reality of religion, as well as of the sincerity of his own professions." Let the person who is now reading this page stop here and ask whether he would be willing to leave his parents, friends, and home to-morrow, and go to live amongst a population of half-savage people, sixteen thousand miles from his home, and spend the whole of his life in teaching them to read and persuading them to believe the gospel, to be all this time subject to abuse and ridicule from most of these people to be exposed to weak health and early death, and to do all this merely and solely because, if a single one is converted, it would promote the glory of God by bringing one more soul to acknowledge him and make that soul happy for ever. Let the reader who has now his eye upon these words seriously ask what would induce him or her to do this, and then think, if you are not willing at once to act thus, what is it that is wanting in you? You will find that religion is indeed a reality, that the Bible is indeed true, which declares that God will surely make willing and able all who put their trust in him to perform whatever his providence calls them to do. If you profess to be a follower of Christ and to seek the advancement of his kingdom, are you doing all you can for this object? Or are you waiting for the judgment, supposing that Christ will acknowledge a professed but unprofitable servant? End of chapter 3